If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Oh, I'm already filling it to y'all. Y'all, I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, please don't have me come in here preaching um, in the first five minutes. I don't want to scare anybody off, but I feel, I feel something um, already in this place. Y'all have brought some juice, so we're going to ride the momentum of God's word. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. If you don't have it, you can look up at the screen. Um, The Bible says, I love this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or think. According to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Um, Today, I want to, or tonight rather, this evening, I want to house our talk under the topic, um, he's able. I want everybody to repeat this. I want you to say he's able. Um, The book that we're looking at um, tonight is the book of Ephesians, and this is where obviously we found our scripture. And Paul, if if I were to tell you guys the truth, I have a I have a Paul crush. Um, I tend to to hang out in the epistles, which are letters, and out of all the epistles that Paul writes, this is one of of my favorites, if not my favorite. Um, The major theme of this letter of this book. Um, is that as the body of Christ, that's us on earth, um, Jesus so graciously allows us to have a plan um, by way of the Holy Spirit that's God living in us. And the Holy Spirit that lives in us is the guaranteed promise that all that God has called and purposed us to do, everybody say, I can do it. In essence, This letter is empowering the church, and we are the ecclesia. We are the church. That means God has called us out of darkness, and he separated us. He's cleaned us up, and now we look less like us and more like him. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Many of us look like drunks and alcoholics and, and dope fiends, and we look like adulterers, and we, we look like um, money launderers, and we look like a lot of things. And then Christ came in. He cleaned us up. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Now, do I have a witness in this place? Now, we have the power to do that all that God has purposed us to do. That means the church, us, can be the church. That's what we've been purposed to do. So, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus. And this church took what he said. That means they took what Paul said, they applied it to their lives, and it literally transformed their life. And they became this meaningful, powerful church. It's a church, the people, that had a meaningful impact in their communities. And it is my prayer tonight that we too will look like this church in Ephesus. That we would take what God has authored by way of the scripture, inspired by way of the Holy Spirit, and we too can be a church that lives on purpose for purpose. That we can influence our our jobs and that we can influence our homes and that we can influence the spheres of influence that God has given us. That we can influence our schools and influence our lunch tables and influence wherever God has called us to go. And then when Paul writes to them, He closes out the third chapter with this, 
with this benediction, um, this doxology. And if you don't know what a doxology is, a doxology is a short hymn of praise to God. And in verses uh, 20 and 21, we, we've read that. It is, um, it is an affirmation that closes out a prayer. Verses 20 through 21, this doxology, it is an affirmation that closes out a prayer. As a matter of fact, Paul is praying um, in this section of chapter 3, and in verse 14, I want you to look at verse, verse 14. The Bible says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, Paul prays, he prays five things in four verses of Scripture. Um, in verses 16 through 19, this is a prayer. I love this. Paul is praying in verse 16. I want you to look at verse 16. He says that, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Um, he prays that our inner man would be strengthened. How many people know that your inner man needs to be strengthened for what you're, all the hell that you're going through, that, that your inner man, do I have a witness in this place? That your inner man, that your inner man needs to be strengthened. And then in verse 17, he says that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He is praying that, that Jesus would be real to them through faith and that they may be rooted and grounded in love. And then in verse 18, he, he prays that I want us, he wants you, I want you to comprehend what is the width and the length and the height and the depth of the love of God. And then in verse 19, he says, I want you to comprehend how much God loves you. And that is something that everybody needs to know, how much God really and truly loves you. And it is not really until we come to grips with this fact, how much God really and truly loves you, that you can really experience the victorious life. Because until we come to grips with the fact that God really, really loves us, we live life in regret. We live, we live life as the victim. We live life under purpose. We live life believing the lies that the devil told us. But whenever we believe that God truly loves us, that's when we can do I have a witness in this place? That's when we can begin to live above our circumstance. Paul, Paul is praying that they would come to understand the magnitude of God's love and that we may be filled up to all the fullness of God, that the presence of the Lord would totally encompass every aspect of our life. This is a beautiful prayer. And then... He closes out with the doxology, verse 20 through 21. This is a, um, this is a powerful verse, and in fact, it's one of my favorite verses in the Scripture. Um, verses 20 through 21, it is making a theological declaration in truth. It is encouraging us, friends, to have faith and belief in God, and that's what I want to talk about today. Can I spend, I got, how much time do I have, Scott? I got 25 minutes. Will y'all give me 25 minutes to talk about it today? I've come this evening to challenge and encourage us in believing that God is who we say we believe God is. Don't miss that. Did, y did, that, did that fly right over your head? Did I talk to you? I'm from the East Coast, so I can talk fast. Did I talk too fast? Do I need to say, let me say that again for, 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 my, for my urban brothers. Let me chop and screw this real quick. Let me remix this. I've come this evening to challenge and encourage us in believing that God is who we say we believe God is. 
time is out for us to say that we believe who God is, but in our hearts, we really fail to believe. And I'm praying that God will help us to be true believers. When we say we believe God, do we really believe that God can heal our sickness and diseases? Do we really believe that God can deliver us out of the hands of our enemies? Do we really believe that God can meet every financial need? Do we really believe that God can heal our troubled marriages? Do we really believe that God can deliver our wayward children? Do we really believe that he can give us contentment while we're divorced and we're still single? Do we really believe that he can take the broken pieces of our lives and put them back together again? Do we really believe? That our God is able to do. Ooh, I told you I feel it, y'all. And I know that I don't have to go that far. Because many of you can testify by way of your life with clear assurance that God can do all of these things. Do I have a witness that believes that God is able to do? My assignment this evening is to convince those of us that have doubts that have questions in our minds about the awesomeness and the power of the God we serve, that no matter what we face in our life, our God is able to fix it. So, that was the intro. Y'all like the intro? That was just the intro. That was the appetizer, okay? That was the little shrimp and the the little, okay, anyway. That was the chips and queso. That was the, tonight I, Tonight, I want to teach you a couple of things. I want to teach you a couple of things. The first thing that I want to teach you is that anytime we look at Scripture and you read while you're reading through the Bible, there are three things that I want you always to look for in a section of Scripture, okay? There are three things that I want you. I want you to write these down for my note takers because this is is incredibly important to where we're going tonight as we begin to exegete the Scripture, okay? Three things. We always will see in a section of Scripture, the first thing is a principle. A principle. You'll see it on your screen. A principle is um, there is something that is being revealed. A truth about God. Something that is applicable to all of our lives. Always throughout all of Scripture is a principle. I want everybody to say principle. Then as a part of the section of Scripture, there's a principle. Remember, that's something that's being revealed, a truth about God that's applicable to our lives. Then there's a program, a program. The program tells us how to implement and work the principle into our lives. Did y'all get that? There's a principle, there's a truth that's being revealed about God that's applicable to our lives. And then there's a program. The program tells us how to implement the principle that we believe into our lives. And then the third thing that I want us to learn about a section of Scripture, it's a promise. Everybody say promise. Promise. Watch this. If I believe the principle and I work the program, then God will give me the promise. At my church, people will be shouting right there. Did y'all catch that? If I have faith to believe what God has revealed about himself, the principle, and then I work, so now I I have to do something. I'm responsible for something. I'm responsible for working the program. So it's just not enough for me to say that I believe the principle without working the program. And for many of us today, we may have done one out of the three. 
So we say we believe the principle, didn't work the program, never received the promise. I'm telling you right now, I'm tired of saying I believe, not working the program, and not, do I got a witness in this place, and not receiving the promise. I want everything that God says is coming to me. If my job says that my salary is $150,000, but I get twenty. dollars I need to talk to somebody. And for many of us, God has promised us $150,000 of promises. But we, do I got a witness in this place? But by way of our life, we settle for $20,000. We're living in poverty spiritually because we have not yet worked the program to receive God's promise. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 through 21. There is a principle. There's a program and a promise. And here's the principle. Now, let's get to the application. Here's the principle. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. My first point is God is able to do. I want you to write that down. God is able to do. That's my point. That God is able to do. And no matter what we are facing, we must understand that no matter how great the circumstance or drama that we're facing in our life, God is able to do. Okay? So some of us believe that, that, that God, God can do, but uh, given the nature of my circumstances, He doesn't want to do. Many of us believe that our situation is so messed up that there's no way that God can help us out. There's this situation that I am, that I'm in, it's a hopeless situation, Pastor Vaughn. There's no way that that anything can help me get out of this. Have you been in a situation so long that you've become friends with the drama in your situation that you figure there ain't no way that I can get out of this? I'm just, it is what it is. But I've come to tell you this evening that the text, not what Pastor Vaughn says, the text says right here, Verse 20, now to him who was able. Now, the operative word here is able. Able means God has the ability to make it possible. Here is a God that can make it possible. He has the ability. Um, the, the word ability in the Greek, it means power. God has the power to make it come to pass. He is able. Um, but Paul says, not only is he able, but he's able to do. He has the ability to make it happen. Able means he has the power. To do means he can make it happen. In other words, he has the ability. Oh gosh. In other words, he has the ability to make something happen. Now, I know we may talk to someone that wants something to happen, um, who can talk about trying to make it happen, who can wish it could happen, but we serve a God that has the ability, do I have a witness in this place, to make it happen. And I'm so excited, to, I'm so glad Scott brought me here tonight. I'm so excited tonight that in the works of God, the things that look impossible to me, God can breathe life into those situations because I serve, I don't know about the God that you serve, but I serve a God who is able, he's able to do. He's able to fix your broken marriage. He's able to heal you even though the doctor says there's not, not one more drug I can put you on. He's able. God can cause a promotion at a job that you didn't deserve to get in the first place. He is a God that can have those people that don't like you at your job promote you anyway. He is a God who is, do I got a witness in this place? He is a... 
He is a God who is able. And Paul says, watch this. Paul says, not only is he able. Oh, this is, the, this is I love the scripture. But, but verse 20, he is able to do, watch this, trek with me, exceedingly abundantly above. Okay. There are a lot of adjectives in this verse. Um, for, for those who don't have a handle on the English language, an adjective is a word naming an attribute. There's a lot of, there's a lot of attributes given here. What Paul, Paul literally could have said, he is able to do all that you ask or think. But Paul didn't write that. Paul is conveying to the church, us, the magnitude of God's ability. So he says, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Now watch this. Each word has a meaning in the Greek language. Um, exceedingly in the Greek. Exceedingly in the Greek means over, above, beyond. Okay. So in other words, in the original language, um, God can do over, above, beyond. I need everybody to say beyond. beyond. Okay. It's it's, uh, it's over what you think. It's above what you can imagine. It's just be, you, be, beyond. Is, is, it's, way, it's way over there. Be, beyond is me driving from Lake Ridge to Plano. It's, just, it's, just, it's, it's, just, it's beyond. Everybody say beyond. It's beyond. But he didn't stop here. Not only is it exceedingly, it also is abundantly. Now watch this. Abundantly in the Greek is a combination of three words to make up one word. The first word that makes up abundantly means to go beyond. Y'all didn't say amen. See, see, Aaron caught it. Wait, wait. Now, PV, didn't you just say exceedingly means to go over and beyond? See, what, what I'm trying to tell you and what Paul is trying to tell us by using exceedingly and abundantly is that we serve a God that is able to go beyond. Do I got a witness in this place? We serve a God that's so bad, that's so powerful, that's so awesome that he's able to do exceedingly beyond, abundantly beyond. God, my God is able to do beyond. See, this is where somebody would shut. Boy, at Restoration Community Church, we shut the church down right now. This is where somebody, this is where my old folk, we, the old saints clap. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you that I'm 80 and I'm, keep, I'm ticking, I'm living, I'm loving life, that I serve a God who's able to go beyond me. I thought I was going to be dead 15 years ago, but my God breathed breath into my lungs. He's able to go beyond. He is screaming that our God's works are so awesome, that God is so powerful. He has so much ability that he can go beyond, beyond. Now watch this. The second word that defines abundantly in the Greek means place, time, or cause. Oh, wow. Okay. Did y'all get that? Place, time, or cause. So in other words, God can go beyond, beyond. God can go beyond, beyond any place, time, or cause. Any constraints we have, he's beyond that. Any place or situation that we're going through, he's beyond that. He also is beyond any cause that needs to be addressed. Now, whether you believe it or not, um, everything in your life fits in either 
time, place, or cause. Everything that you are facing, every situation, every pain, every anxiety, every struggle falls in a time, a place, or a cause. That's why this evening I wanted to tell you that he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly Y'all wait no more. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly. Now, there's a third word in the Greek that abundantly means. Okay, I love this. Um, one more, one more word, one more word. It means excessive. <laughs> more, more, hold up, more than enough. Excessive means it's pouring out. My cup overflows. It's, it's more than what you need. It's, it's too much. We serve a God that can step to the plate of our lives and deliver into the arena of what we need. And he can give us well beyond anything that we can imagine. It, he gives us excessively. He's an excessive God. He can, he'll blow our mind by way of how he blesses us, how he kept us insane when we thought we were going to go crazy five years ago. Do I got a witness in this place? We thought we were going to lose our mind, lose the business, lose the house, lose the marriage, lose our health. We were ready to throw in the towel, but I serve a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above cause, place, time, and he blesses us excessively. Do I got a few of y'all that just by way of your smile can't believe that you're sitting in the place that you're... Here it is. We serve a God that is able to go beyond, beyond any time, place, or cause in a supernatural, excessive way, superabundant in quantity, superior in quality, excessive by implications. Friends, the God that we serve is massive. He is literally incredible. He's an awesome God. And in my 46 years of living, I've come to experience God's in ways that matches this description. I can't believe he took a boy out of Rand, West Virginia with a dope fiend as a father with a harlot as a mother and shaped me, made me. Do I got a witness in this place? Took me out of the mire that I was in and he gave me a voice to come here preaching it. I would have told you you were a fool 20 years ago if I ever were to speak on behalf of God. But I serve a God who is able to do. Thank you, Jesus. Paul says in verse 20, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we, watch this, ask or think. Ask or think. I got 10 more minutes, right, Scott? I got the 730. (laughs) All covers everything in our life. That we can ask or think. To ask means literally in the Greek to beg. To ask means to beg. Paul says anything that you are begging for, God, God can perform it excessively. Then he says, if you can think it, anything that you can think in your mind, he can go beyond your imagination. If you can picture it in your mind, if you can dream it, if you have the audacity to ask him for it, the text says God is able to do it in an exceedingly abundantly way, far above what you can ask, beg, or even conceptualize in your mind. Think. Oh, and some of y'all looking at me like PV. Look, man, that's too much. I can't get with this, Pastor Vaughn. I'm trying real hard. You, you sweating and, and talking too loud. I, I'm trying. You, you preaching hard, PV. You have doubt in your mind, but the text is written to drive out the demon of doubt. 
And this evening, I'm trying to help us understand that we don't have to question God. I'm trying to help us understand that no matter what you're facing, that we serve a God mighty enough to step into the arena of your circumstance and life and bring his power into your circumstances. And by the time he steps out of it, he will turn your circumstances around. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I know this, he's able. (laughs) Somebody say he's able. (laughs) I don't want y'all to think this is charismatic because it's not. This is is an exegesis. This is what the scripture says. Amen? Amen. I serve a God that can make it happen. Um, Now, um, I I do have to address the doubters. (laughs) Because I know that that, that some of y'all have doubts because you've not seen it worked out in your life yet. You're like, man, look, I I haven't seen the exceedingly and abundantly work out. my cup didn't overflow. I just want a, I just want a saucer blessing. Just, you ain't even got to give me the cup. Just whatever's in the cup can flow over in the saucer. I'll take the saucer. PV, it ain't worked out for me. I haven't experienced the exceedingly and abundantly above. I don't have the stuff overflowing. Well, in order for us to experience it, we have to work the program. <laughs> Y'all didn't, somebody, now, now don't, everybody want to get silent now. It's, we were shouting on the principle, but now. In order to experience the exceedingly and abundantly above all, we can ask or think. It's according to the program, the power. Everybody say the power, power that works in us. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. My second point, it's, it's on us. I want everybody to say it's on, me. it's on me. There's a program. And in order for the principle to operate, there is a condition. And the condition is... It works according to the power that works in you. Did y'all get that? So in other words, if you have the right source of power working in you, then the principle will automatically work itself out. Okay? The principle is able to be fulfilled according to the power working in you. It's in you. The word power means strength, ability. It symbolizes the presence and power of God. God inside, watch this. God inside activates God outside. The power of God that works inside activates the activity of God outside. God, y'all. This ain't about men. This ain't about a hookup. This ain't about positioning and posturing yourself because you think somebody has resources. I don't need, do I got a witness in this place? I don't need a man's favor. I need God. Many of us have spent decades of our life trying to posture and position ourselves for the favor of men. That's, that's heretical to the scripture. All I know is I got a power that's working inside of me that if I believe the principle, I'll work the program, then I get to receive the promise. Somebody say amen. amen. God inside, the Holy Spirit activates God outside, God outside of us. Amen. When this is broken, it's not the power. It's our source of power that's broke because everybody under the sound of my voice has a power source in you that is working. The question is, what power source is working? Hmm. Let me illustrate this. I'm going to come to a close. I got seven minutes. Um, I, uh, before I accepted my full-time call in the ministry, I was a television reporter and I was an anchor. I left the on-air side of television, went to the business side, and I was this real sexy title, television advertising executive. Doesn't that sound sexy? Then it's like, ooh, television. <laughs> Little man. Television. You know what that means? It means I sell spots. That's what it means. I was selling air, right? 
And um, I, I love my career. God called us out. I went to seminary, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, um, started serving at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship under Dr. Evans, became a student pastor, served as a student pastor for seven years. Then I got called out of student ministry because that was like 190 years in dog years. Anybody who has kids understands that spending 18 years with them is too much. I think God uh, kind of punked us. It's like, Lord, we can't spend like five years with them and then send them off to a work camp or something in Jesus' name. Pray for me. I'm, I'm still a work in progress. So I went back to corporate, and when I went back to corporate, I went back, I was working at WFAA, and um, I said, uh, you know what, I'm going to get me a nice car. You know, I, I, I never had a nice car. I'm from the hood. I'm uh, really, honestly, y'all, I'm, I'm this, this terrible combination. Um, they call it ghetto country. That means I'm from Rand, West Virginia, which is very country and rural, but then my mom moved to South Dallas, ghetto, so I'm ghetto country. They call it country. It's a terrible combination. Terrible combination. But praise God, my mom sent me to Bishop Lent, so it, it, it kind of, you know, soothed some of the rough edges. And, and now I'm a chameleon. I can, I can integrate myself into any, any odd, in that right, Scott? It's like, it's very weird. He can speak to everybody. So anyway, so I said, I'm getting me a car. I've never had a real nice car. So I said, I'm going to get an Audi. So I went to the Audi dealership. I got me an Audi A6, y'all. I thought I was the man. Like, I got an Audi A6, woohoo! right, until I got my first bill. I was like, y'all can have this back, in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm driving around in my, in my Audi A6, and I'm having fun with it. It's my toy, um, but something was wrong with my car. And it kept knocking. It, I would drive, and it, I was like, what is wrong with this car? It's expensive machine. What is wrong with the car? So I said, you know what, I need to take the car back to the shop. Something's wrong with my, with this beautiful machine, and I take it to the shop, and literally, y'all, um, they gave me a loaner car. Typically, when they give you a loaner car, they're going to they're have to inspect your car for a while. They were anticipating my car being in the shop for a little bit, but they called me back in two hours. Mr. Monitor, could you come back in? I was like, are y'all through with my car? They were like, yeah, we're through with it. Just come, come on back in. So I came back in. I was excited. I was like, so what was wrong with the car? Y'all well, were able to diagnose it pretty quick. And this guy looked at me. Um, have y'all ever seen the poor baby face? Like when somebody looks at you and they're like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> He had the poor baby, like, poor baby, poor, poor baby. He looked at me. He goes, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. Um, he goes, uh, what kind of gas were you putting in your car? I was like, uh, regular. And he was like, Mr. Miner, do you know, do you not know what kind of car you're driving? I said, I'm very aware. In fact, I was offended. I'm very aware. Just because I'm a brother don't mean I don't know what that is. Just kidding. I, everything's, yeah. That's a joke. I'm like, I'm very aware of the car that I'm driving. It's an Audi A6. He was like, and you're putting what in it? I said, I'm putting regular in it. And he said, why are you putting regular in it? I said, because it's inexpensive. It is efficient. And I'm ghetto country. I, still, I got a little bit of money, but I still live poor. I'm just saying. I'm country. Country. Then he said to me, so you mean to tell me you don't put in the 93? And this is when he gave me the poor baby face. I said, <laughs> I said, you mean like the premium? <laughs> and then he looked at me and he was like, poor baby. Poor, poor baby. He said, Mr. Miner, the problem is not the car. The problem is what you got powering it. Oh, do I got a witness in this place? He said, 
You don't know what kind of car you have. You're putting regular stuff in it whenever it's supposed to run on something that's far greater than something that's just standard. And for too many of us, uh, we are putting regular fuel. And do, we, do you not know what kind of car you are? Do you know what kind of purpose God has for your life? God has called you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and to run your spiritual engine on something that's far greater than something that's just standard. Do I got a witness in this place? There is a power that is at work in all of us. Is the power of God at work in you, or is it the power of doubt? Is it the power of pride? Is it independence? Is it selfishness? Is it arrogance? Is this the power that's at work in you? This is clearly not the power of God. If you allow the power of God to work in you, it places you in a posture and a place for the presence of God to manifest himself and open up the windows of heaven and blow you away with miracles. Now watch this. I don't want you to think a miracle is something that is this just the benefit for you. Because if you think that, then you're, out, you're not even in the scripture. The miracle is not just for you. It's for everybody else. The miracle is to show off God's glory. The miracle is I've got sense enough by way of the Holy Spirit to be able to steward the $5. That's a miracle. Do I have a witness in this place? It ain't about naming it and claiming it. Oh, yeah, God gave me a miracle. Open up the windows of heaven. I got a bend. No. It's not what time of, it's not what the script. If we're going to experience this, we can't have the power of fear, doubt, anxiety, frustration. This negates the power of the Holy Spirit. God's power wants to aid us. He wants to help us. He wants to develop us, shape us, and give us hope and faith. The power of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit wants to rule and reign in every aspect of our lives. Your kids deserve it. Your marriage deserves it. Your friends and family deserve it. Your grandkids deserve it. Your great-grandkids deserve to see a grandmother and a grandfather overwhelmingly loving Jesus that in spite of the condition of my body, I still have spirit that's living inside of me and I still can lift my hands and say, thank you, Jesus. But too often we resist and push him back. We say no. Therefore, God can't work in us the way that he wants to work in us because we have not yielded to his Pastor Vaughn, is that biblical? Well, yes, it is. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus goes into a village. Do you know the Bible says, and Jesus cannot perform miracles because of their disbelief? This is God. They can't, Jesus can't perform a miracle? They negated the power of Christ because they were unwilling to yield to he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or think. And they were unwilling to work the principle or the program, so they weren't able to experience the promise. Let me close with this last point. I'm at 7.30. That means I got like um, five more minutes. <laughs> this is it. Everybody say principle. principle. Everybody say program. program. Now everybody say promise. promise. God will do it to get the glory. God will do it to get the glory. Verse 21, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Watch this. 
In verse 21, Scott, he closes out with a promise. God says, I have to do this because I will receive the glory. God wants to demonstrate his awesomeness in your life. He wants to open up doors. He wants to perform miracles so that when other people have seen what God is doing in your life, then he will get the glory. Don't you know it really don't have anything to do with us, really? When God heals your marriage, it's for you to be a billboard for his glory. And somebody can say, I can't believe God healed your marriage. Do I got a witness in this place? You've been a dope fiend your whole life, and you you running around talking about Jesus, and you was in prison, and now you're free? There's got to be. Do I got a witness? There's got to be a God. Watch this. The text says he wants to do it for his glory in the church. That's you, by Christ Jesus. That means our putting our trust and our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now watch this. I love this. He says, to all generations forever and ever. He says, I not only want to do it for you, but I want this to be passed down. (laughs) He said, I want this grace and anointing to be passed down to your sons and daughters, to your grandchildren and to their children, to your grandchildren's children's children's children. Do I got a witness in this place? He said, I want this blessing to be so overwhelming that everybody in your family can't get away with it. They can't get away from this blessing. They're like, what in the world is going on? My father laid hands on me and prayed for me and walked with me. My mother, she, she stayed up at night and I saw her walking in the scripture. She walked with me. She studied with me. She loved me. She encouraged me. And it's because we love Jesus. Amen. And then they marry someone who loves God instead of marrying the dysfunctional folk that we married because we weren't, do I got a witness in here? Because we weren't walking with God. Many of us in here married crazy. Why? Because we were crazy? Because we were walking outside of the fellowship of Jesus Christ. I want to do something that is so overpowering and so excessive and so beyond, beyond it reaches down for generations to come. Do I have anybody in this classroom that has the audacity to believe that the God we serve can step into the dilemma of your right now and turn my circumstances upside down for his glory? Come on, do I have anybody that believes? Come on, can we just give God a hand clap of praise? Now to him who was able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all, I could ask or think, my God is able. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the demonstration of your truth that you are able to do. Father, help us to not only to say that we believe in this principle, but help us to work the program. Help us, Father, no longer to fill the engine of our spirit with substandard gas, the power of disbelief, anxiety, arrogance, pride. But, Father, that we would yield totally on the only source of power that is known in all the universe to help us serve by way of purpose. Father, help us to experience the promise where generation to generation will be blessed excessively by this amazing God who is able to do. We love you. We thank you. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.